0: Welcome to Wireless Water Cooler, a special Tower Talk segment. Join Inside Towers Managing Editor Jim Fryer and Wireless Infrastructure Association President and CEO Jonathan Adelstein for some good old water cooler conversation about what's happening in the wireless infrastructure world. And here are your hosts.
1: Welcome to the Wireless Water Cooler. I'm Jim Fryer, Managing Editor of Inside Towers, along with my podcast partner, Jonathan Adelstein, the president and CEO of the Wireless Infrastructure Association. Jonathan, it's good to be with you.
0: Hey, Jim, good to be at the water cooler with you.
1: <laughs> we have to explain, I guess, the name of our little enterprise here. And to WIA's credit, they came up with this idea a few months ago and, and uh, suggested a, a mutual podcast that, that we could do. And the timing was terrific, I think, in, in light of the, certainly in light of, of COVID, Uh, that you don't have the gathering point anymore in in offices or trade shows or wireless social uh, events. So um, we we hope to recreate that with the wireless water cooler, which, of course, is a metaphor. Maybe you didn't hang out at a water cooler when everybody was in the office. Maybe it was around the coffee pot. But nonetheless, uh, you you get the point. what we want to do with this is kind of recreate that, though, and talk about all kinds of issues, not just not just the big issues, but smaller issues, some in between, some maybe a little off the regular path of things. So, Jonathan, is that pretty much uh, your idea of how we want to proceed here?
0: Yeah, sure. I mean, coffee pot is good. Let's get this caffeinated.
1: <laughs> we might even uh, talk Jonathan into a, maybe a harmonica lead-in every now and then on uh, as we do go to a story segue or something like that.
0: As long as you're paying union scale.
1: <laughs> I, I wanted to ask you, I don't know if all of our listeners know, Jonathan's an accomplished har- harmonicist, harmonica player. I don't know if there's a word for it. Um, oh, okay. Harpist. <laughs> harpist. <laughs> That's different. Uh, and uh, has performed it many times at WIA events. Who, who, is, your, uh, who is your icon as a harmonica player?
0: Well, I like Kim Wilson with the Fabulous Thunderbirds. He's really a Mm. star in my constellation.
1: John Popper, Paul
0: Butterfield. Love Popper, too. So many notes, though, it's just overwhelming.
1: (laughs) I I always liked John Mayall. I thought uh, Room to Move was just uh, amazing. uh, Agreed. Uh, One of the things we want to do is start out with what we're calling an icebreaker. So I've got one. I've got a good one. I hope you're. I hope you're sitting it down, Jonathan. I oh, am. Yeah. Okay. Good. My icebreaker is that I think our industry is poorly named. Wireless. I mean, really, that word is first. It's antiquated. It goes back to Marconi. It goes back to Tesla. Um, so it's it's already a hundred years old. To to. Refer to it as wireless, and secondly, it's calling our industry, naming our industry after something that it doesn't have. It wireless. I mean, did the did the automobile association when they started out? Did they say, you know, let's keep let's keep horseless carriage. That's that's a good name. Let's stick with that. No, they didn't. They they adapted it. So from that standpoint, and I guess the third point is. Um, We actually do use wires. We use fiber. We use cable. I think overall that name just doesn't cover it. And maybe someday it'll change. I don't know, in in 50 years, I kind of doubt that it might still be called this, but my suggestion would be connectivity. So my my goal is before, before I leave this earth is change the name of this industry to the connectivity industry. Let me me
0: debate that with you. I I agree completely (laughs) with your premise and wireless is what it's not and not what it is. But what's I was thinking this morning about this. What's one common element that we all have is a radio and it harkens back to the good old days of radio speaking of rock and roll. But in the end, you know, in order to be wireless, you have to have a radio, right? Um, So it's a new radio kind of service, not what we think of as the old radio. I got a book uh, in the mail yesterday from Rodian Schwartz, uh, 5G New Radio, and it made me think about it. That's the title. Great book about about 5G. Why not think about that? You know, uh, the Radio Infrastructure Association. RIA. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's an interesting idea, because ultimately, if you don't have a radio, you don't have wireless, and radio is what does it. Maybe there's a better way to put it. You're talking about the goal of connectivity, but I can do connectivity... I would argue at the coffee shop. Once this damn coronavirus passes, mm-hmm. um, you, you can do connectivity with other ways, but you can't have wireless without a radio. True. Well, let's keep thinking about it, Jim. Each time right. we're gonna we're gonna figure this out. <laughs> and we'll...
1: well, you've you changed changed the name of your association not all that long ago, <laughs> so I, I don't want to throw a new one at you here to complicate things.
0: Well, we actually debated the idea of mobile because that's another. Feature of it, Mobile Mm -hmm. Infrastructure Association, but unfortunately, that acronym is missing in
1: action, MIA. So that was not good. (laughs) No, well, in in Europe they call them mobile masts, mobile tower masts, which always struck me as kind of strange because the tower is is not mobile (laughs) itself.
0: It's true, and and a a mast seems to me to go on a ship, not
1: on on land.
0: But you know those Europeans, they're either behind us, they're still thinking about the, <laughs> the caravels that conquered part of Africa.
1: <laughs> right. Um, I wanted to switch to what's you know, sort of the elephant in the room, which which is the coronavirus and, and how you all handled it. And I wanted to give you publicly kudos for uh, the way you, you managed uh, ConnectX back in May. You were one of the, the first big shows to not cancel or postpone. And you were faced with a, with an on-rushing deadline as to you know, how you were going to handle it virtually. So, uh, again, kudos to, to, to pulling that off. But uh, how did you do it?
0: Well, we really wanted to fight back. You know, we didn't want to give in, but we knew we had to protect everybody's health. Obviously, we didn't want to, Nobody wanted to be put at risk. We didn't think people would would like that. But we wanted to bring the industry together. We have a traditional role of being the convener of the infrastructure industry and everybody loves to get together, get the latest information, have a chance to exchange. And we really couldn't do that in person like we like to do, but we didn't want to just give up. We've had so much support from the industry over the years for the event, for ConnectX, for what we do with our members, that we wanted to make sure that we were there for them at this time when there was really a a challenge. So we just decided to roll up our sleeves and figure this out. Are you're right, we didn't have a lot of time to do it. And our panelists were great, our sponsors and our exhibitors continued to participate. And I think we really did bring folks together as best we could under this unique circumstance. Mm-hmm. So it was a real, real success. I mean, obviously, you know, for us the the revenue's not where it was because, you know, that wasn't the idea here. We gave that up, right. but we want to continue to do it. We had the, the people rather than sit here at home and walk the dog we want to get out and get our speakers lined up, get people engaged. And we had uh, nearly 5000 people participate. The graphic is still going on, we're doing another round um, uh, on June twenty third, which I think is going to be today, you know, if you haven't seen it, or you can tune into the go back to connect X all access, and you'll find uh, that. Also, you know, if you if you don't have a chance to watch it immediately, it is going to be available uh, on the web for at least another month or so so we're having we have a lot of good content that we're going to be showing
1: today you guys have really set the standard for uh virtual shows hopefully that's that's a one-off and we won't have to do this again next year but uh in the meantime it's uh, you you've probably uh, learned learned quite a bit along the way and uh i don't know if that might find its way into future shows even when we are gathering again as a is a, is a, another option?
0: Well, for now we're keeping it rolling. You know, there's so many uh, speakers we couldn't get in the the first round that we're <clears throat> launching a whole new with a number of the latest insights into 5G. As people are thinking about their next moves in the industry, they can tune in to find out about things like uh, what's going on on the Hill, what's going on with CBRS, automation. Uh, we have an edge panel to talk about how the tower co become sort of the edge uh, infrastructure operator or provider of the of real estate. We're looking at what's going on with COVID nineteen and the implications for network resilience and the new economics. I and mean, we have a whole bunch of things uh, that we're we're offering today that people want to know about what's happening on the cutting edge. Whether it's massive MIMO and innovative brand solutions, all that is new content, and a bunch of the world leaders on on thought in the industry are going to be featured on our. ConnectX All Access platform today with a but with a bunch of new content. So, be sure to tune into that either uh, today if you want to see it as it's coming out, or in the next couple of days.
1: You can get on the website on your website and and get the link to to watch it, or it can be watched in later time. Exactly. So you don't go on ConnectX
0: All Access and you'll find it, and it's free registration. You just if you registered before, you can use your old registration. If you haven't signed up yet, it just takes about ten seconds. You sign up and it's all free so a service we're providing to members and to 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 everybody in the industry alike
1: great And and i said we'll span the the gamut of small issues big issues and and things in between but one of the big issues just came to fruition a little over a week ago and that was the the 5g upgrade order and uh and again Congratulations. I know you guys were uh, in on that joint effort to bring that to the fore. So uh, how did that all come about, and, and what was your reaction to the decision on June 9th?
0: Well, well Jim, thanks for all your coverage in, in Inside Towers on that. I mean, it was a, a big win for 5G, a big win for the wireless infrastructure industry. We've been working on this for eight years. It, i got to say, it predates me right before I got here. My predecessor, Mike Fitch, was able to get Congress to enact a law that allowed co-location by right on existing facilities as long as it wasn't a substantial change. So at the time, it was mostly towers. Now it applies to any wireless infrastructure. But what we found was Congress enacted this law in 2012. The FCC, on a bipartisan basis in 2014, enacted really strong rules that WIA, then PCIA, advocated for. But some localities, not all of them, were finding workarounds or finding ways to sort of throw up Uh, roadblocks or weren't interpreting it in the way that Congress or the FCC had intended. So the 5G upgrade order basically updates the rules governing uh, macros and other wireless infrastructure deployments to basically make it easier to do co-locations, to do 5G upgrades that otherwise would be blocked by some, you know, municipality throwing up roadblocks. Like I say, most municipalities were following the spirit and letter of the law, but To make sure everybody was doing it, the FCC needed to step in.
1: I think you even, I've got a quote here from you that said the municipalities could be sometimes gaming 6409.
0: That's exactly right. I mean, for example, there's a 60-day shot clock, but the municipality might not be clear about when it starts to say, oh, well, the shot clock doesn't start until you go through all these hoops or have a public meeting. No, 60 days is 60 days. The FCC agreed that. There's a clear demarcation when it begins, and it begins basically when uh, when one of our uh, companies applies and makes it clear that they're applying under 6409. Now, it could turn out that the municipality says, no, this is not eligible, and they might have a good point, and then it wouldn't apply. But once you apply in good faith, hey, the shot clock begins. They can't game the beginning of it. You know, they were, they were gaming what new equipment would qualify for streamlined approval, and we made it really clear. Um, another big issue they were they were messing around with was concealment they'd say you know anything that changes the structure defeats the concealment even if it wasn't a concealed tower or if it was a concealed tower if they were doing it in a way that was consistent with that concealment so we made it really clear that you know you can't game uh concealment to say it's not eligible under 6409 Mm -hmm. now look the industry isn't trying to say we can automatically change a concealed tower and not continue that concealment nobody nobody uh is making that point but we're saying hey if we're doing it consistent with the original concealment or if it's a tower that wasn't originally intended to be you know concealed that was just a regular tower and they suddenly say hey you're defeating concealment by increasing it by 10 feet well that is you know gaming the system and right. and there's there's other ways they're were, they were doing it as well you know um they they were just saying, you know, in terms of all these different PQ things you had to do in order to to get the shot clock going or what what equipment qualified or, or whether, you know, upgrading smaller remote radio units to keep up with advances in technology wasn't eligible, even though clearly that's a non-substantial change. I mean, it's going to help people on the ground get this done.
1: And I'm sure that the municipalities and the local authorities had probably grown in... Sophistication is to that gaming strategy—they've seen others do it, and they say, "Okay, this works. Let's try this." So uh, the loyal opposition was getting a little, little more educated. In addition to our industry growing in in that area and how to how to make things streamlined, but but the other side was also figuring out how to how to throw up another roadblock here and there along the way.
0: Yeah, unfortunately, those kind of things spread. You can't say spread virally anymore, but you know. It, Again, most communities were not doing this. They were recognizing 6409 is a waste of everybody's time to sit there and throw up roadblocks to changing existing infrastructure to upgrade it uh, for co-location. But those that are really resistant were doing that. And now everybody's set at a level playing field. And Jim, you know, what's really exciting is that going forward, we have a huge opportunity here. Not only do they declare these things to be interpretation so those are all effective immediately everything i talked about they also made a proposal going forward that would ask for public comment on a rule change that would allow for compound expansions so that you can expand the uh existing area around a tower by 30 feet without having to go through zoning again if you control that that real estate and that would really be be a big change and get rid of a lot of problems that we're seeing on the ground for for
1: our members so this isn't just then affecting 5g small cell das that had an impact on on macro towers as well
0: yeah i mean the 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 substantial change really probably applies more even to towers there's more problems we're seeing with towers and small cells but the compound expansion is right on the tower site but again that doesn't just help tower owners that helps everybody if you think about who who would Um, need that if you're putting an edge data center at a tower and you need a little bit more space that'd be a co-location and that would be eligible if you're putting a generator in for for public safety that would qualify if you know FirstNet needs to put new equipment in to basically expand their capabilities that would uh, be eligible under this so anything that you need to go 30 feet out a small cell hub you could do without having to go through zoning again because it would be considered an insubstantial change. There's, there's already a precedent for this, Jim, and in, in a drop and swap, you're allowed to do that without going through historic or environmental review. But if you're doing a co-location for a new generator, you have to do that. The 30 feet now would apply under 6409 if their proposal goes through, and the FCC proposed doing it just that way. So it's a pretty short turnaround time. People have just uh, just a few weeks, we hope everybody will get comments in uh, if they think this would be helpful to their business, let's show some support for it. Um, the whole cycle is about uh, 20 days for, for comments and 30 days for reply comments, as I understand it. So it's a fast turnaround, which is great. It means the FCC is serious about this. They're trying to get it done, and they're trying to get it done really quickly before uh, the end of the year.
1: So what could our listeners do that, to help expedite that support that keep it well, going. feel free to contact me
0: if, if you if you need any help in, in in making comments but any comments large or small to the fcc would be great if people can weigh in so it's a public comment notice saying what do you think of this proposal and let's show them we think it's a good idea uh you know explain how it'll help our business explain how it'll help with 5g i mean if you want to do edge data centers you need a little bit more space people are demanding generators that we want to put in voluntarily, but we can't do it because you have to go through all kinds of zoning. I mean, we're stuck between a rock and a hard place sometimes where localities are screaming, oh, we want to make sure these things work in emergencies and our members wanna put in a generator, but they may make us jump through hoops to do that. Uh, So let's facilitate 5G, let's facilitate public safety. Let's make it easier to co-locate on existing facilities and expand the compound to accommodate all the new technology we need for 5G and for for reliability.
1: There's quite a bit of pushback on this. This did not exactly go down all that easily. <laughs> that there was a pretty contentious vote uh, at the FCC. The pushback was uh, they weren't giving enough time for localities to to respond. Given the given the COVID, they could have used more time to to get their act together to to respond to this. So what, how do you how do you respond to that?
0: Well, I think sometimes, you know, delay becomes denial, and they they know that all too well. You know, the idea is this was put out in September by the FCC. We had filed this in June. They've had a year to look at this and think about it and respond. There's been comments, reply comments. Uh, Back last fall, they extended the comments because locality said, oh, we need more time. So they gave more time. And after that, there's been ex partes going back and forth plenty of time to consider this. And then, you know, last three weeks, they saw what the proposal is going to be uh, three weeks out and had two weeks to respond to that. I mean, I, I know they're busy, they're under the gun, but a lot of this happened before the pandemic and there was plenty of time. And, And besides, I mean, these are not things that they should be doing anyway. I mean, essentially most of them are, are complying and doing it in good faith. So why don't we tighten it up for those that aren't acting in good faith and just make it clear what the sort of baseline is. So that the practices that are being conducted by, you know, the best communities become sort of the standard for for all the municipalities, so we can get five G out. I mean, you don't see the Chinese having to go through this kind of hassle. Um, they say put in small cells, nobody's going to question, you know, the Politburo. Here, all we're saying is, yeah, localities have a role; they can go through the permit process. There's an appropriate role, but these are sort of outside of the scope of what is considered reasonable
1: Mm -hmm. i'm still sure we're probably haven't heard the last from the like the national league of cities or national association of counties on this so it's it's probably never going to be a smooth ride no matter how it's done but to have gotten to this point has uh, been through a lot of effort on on your part on the fcc the uh commissioner's uh Carr and Chairman Pai and, and all, all the rest have, uh, have done an exemplary job of, of getting it to this point. Um, but doesn't doesn't mean it's a necessarily smooth sailing ahead, but hopefully hopefully smoother, right?
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, we could have asked for better support from Commissioner Carr, who is the leader on this. Uh, the Ch- Chairman Pai backed him every bit of the way. And, and Commissioner O'Reilly uh, made some helpful suggestions that improve the quality and strength of the order. Uh, he's a, a great uh, a great attorney sort of without a law degree you know he he gets this so we had such good leadership from all three uh, of the majority and we expected it you know to get unanimous support but because of some of these procedural concerns we didn't uh, in this case but hopefully going forward um, this is a bipartisan issue you know there's support in Congress for infrastructure deployment we're seeing that uh, this week again from right. from the Hill that there's bipartisan support for getting infrastructure out to make sure that everybody has access to radio broadband, <laughs> as well as you know wired up broadband. Um, so let's let's meet the needs out there. I mean, with this pandemic, we couldn't delay. You can't wait. People are relying on this. Our industry's out in the field, bravely going out there and, and safely, but. I think bravely trying to put these things together for people so that they can have uh, their connectivity needs met during the pandemic. So there's really no time to delay.
1: Yeah. Now I I think this this whole uh, crisis mode we're in is has really um, made people who weren't aware sit up and realize how important wireless infrastructure is and and the role it plays and was the song. Uh, could Use a little, little harmonica background to this, but you don't miss your water till your well runs dry. <laughs> and uh, I, I think uh, some communities are, are saying that you know, this is something that, that we need, we need to continue through all of this, and it, it's helping keep us afloat just by being a presence there. So, uh, you know, there's even as, as terrible as this whole scenario has been, I mean, I, I think the industry as a whole has um come out of it uh, with, with a, higher, a higher profile, but more importantly with, with a, a higher purpose and, and a recognition by, by the people who, who previously may have not been aware of it.
0: Absolutely, I mean, this is life-saving. We have people that are using their wireless devices, their radio devices to communicate with the doctor to determine if they need to go into the hospital because they're having trouble breathing. Um, using it for other appointments where they can't go in because they didn't want to be exposed to, to the virus in, in healthcare facilities. I mean, telemedicine, just one example, all the kids like mine moving home and doing their schoolwork from home, uh, needed connectivity and, and we're very fortunate we were blessed with that, but we need to make sure everybody has access to that. And that's what the FCC is committed to doing. There's a lot of talk on the Hill about how we make sure everybody's connected, but you know, you don't get connected without a radio and those radios have to be in sight, uh, you know, in, in, of of the end user, so that they can they can get that signal. We got to get them out there. We got to get them working. And there's a lot of new radios coming out, 5G. So
1: um, I heard Verizon just came out with a new new 5G laptop. All, all kinds of new devices are spinning off of this. Okay, well let's let's wrap this up then. We hope for next time we'll uh, we have an entire month to uh, regenerate. New information, new stories, and I have a feeling those will uh, those will occur. Uh, news is coming uh, hot and heavy these days, so uh, we'll we'll have a we'll have a lot to talk about uh, a month from now. So I'll we'll certainly look forward to that and look forward to bringing it all to you out there.
0: Yeah, they're like dog years right now. One month, one month. <laughs> who knows what's going to happen in the
1: next month? But keep with Inside Towers when I tell people what I do uh, that that we report on the cell tower industry, the wireless infrastructure industry. They go, Oh, that's a, that's a monthly, right? It's no, Oh, it's a weekly. No, and no, it's a daily. And they're, they're always incredulous as to, is there really that much news happening to, to support that? And, uh, I say, yep, yeah, absolutely. The, the news is nonstop in this business. And, uh, I guess that's, that, that's, that's why we love it. Right.
0: Well, keep it coming, Jim. I read that every morning, first thing. And, uh, Sometimes there's a great way to start the day, sometimes not so much, depending on the news. But there's plenty of information <laughs> Don't in there.
1: shoot the messenger, folks. Don't shoot the messenger. But, uh, yeah, no, thanks so much for that. And, uh, again, jump on the ConnectX uh, uh, conference that's going on uh, today, Tuesday, and uh, get some more uh, depth out of that one. Thanks so much, Jonathan. And we will be talking uh, in another month. Thanks, Jim. I look forward to it.